Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. It don't take much of a Christian to say he's God when things are going good, does it? When things are going bad and difficult and you don't understand why they're going on the way they are and you can still stand firm, it sounds like you've got a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. Trust everybody's doing well in the middle of hell. You're surviving all the fights of the demons and you're not just surviving, but you're winning by the grace of God. Happy to be in the house of the Lord. Robert, good seating out, buddy. Let's turn, if you would, tonight to the book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 7. Let's see if we can look into the words of the Lord Jesus and find out where we are in this time that we're living in. Lots of times when things happen to us, there's such a surprise in the way that God fulfills His Word. And in our minds, we get ideas and of how we think, well, you know, this will probably come to pass that way and this and this, but many times when it goes, does come to pass, it's so different than anything that we imagined in our minds. Luke 21, verse 7. And they asked him, saying, Master, what shall these things be? Now, he had told them some of the signs of the end time. And then the apostles were quite overwhelmed by what he had said, So they said, well, we'd like to know the time frame and what can we look at to be able to go by. What signs shall there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, take heed that you may be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. If you notice, he didn't say they would say they were Jesus. But they said they was Christ and Christ is Christos which is anointed. I'm anointed with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I can pray for the sick. I can do this and that. That's what Jesus said one of the signs of the end time would be. I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. It's so sad that many people didn't catch that last phrase of that. But now notice what else will happen. But when ye shall hear of Wars and commotions. Wars and commotions. Be not terrified. Wonder why I would use that word terrified. You know, prophecy has several aspects to it. It can be a joyous side. It can be a rejoicing side to prophecy. But prophecy can also be fearful. Prophecy can instill terror in the hearts of those that are actually seeing it come to pass. Notice Jesus says, Be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Now notice it's going to be 2,000 years or two days by which he will speak through his son. Many of these prophecies started whenever the disciples were here. But he said, whenever you start seeing it, don't think now, okay, next week, next month. No, the end is not yet. It's on down the road. Notice this, it must come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful 
sights and great signs, listen to this, shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues. Now watch how prophecy must be properly divided or you make the prophesier a liar. This is why people so misunderstand even things that Brother Branham said. Now, this scripture right here, this verse, everybody will not fulfill that. This part of the scripture was given to those to whom it would apply. Now, they're not going to throw us in a synagogue in this day. You know why? We don't have any. We don't have synagogues. So, this scripture must be properly divided or you look at the prophecy and, well, that didn't come to pass. Well, this didn't come to pass. Most of the time, it's our misunderstanding. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up into the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Well, that happened to everybody? No, it only happened to a handful. Will everybody see earthquakes in their country? No. Will everybody see signs in the heavens? No, not everybody. But it will be in the body. It will be in the body, and the body will know about it. Now watch this. I love this statement right here in the junction of time. When all hell turns loose, all heaven turns loose also. I may believe all hell's turning loose. Well, praise God. Where's the other half of this then? When all hell turns loose, all heaven turns loose also. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against it. These two forces has always showed at the junction. Now, the title of this sermon is The Junction of Time, wherever he's, he's quoting this from. So it's two junctions when we have something coming up. And when they merge and meet at the junction, all hell breaks loose and all heaven breaks loose at the same time. Amen. Friends, we're in a great hour. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be living in this time. We know it's a dark time, Father. We know horrible, horrible things lay in front of the people that miss the rapture. Father God, I'm sure that things that we will even see before we go will be fearful. Maybe we will look upon them, Lord, and say even more so than we're saying tonight, come Lord Jesus. But Father, we're so grateful that you've made a way of escape for those of yours that are in the body. We pray tonight that you would open our understanding to your word prophetically, Lord God. May we see the timeline. May we see the junction of where we are. Father, may we be ready for this great time. In the name of the Lord Jesus and the saints said, God bless you. You may be seated. But let me me read you this now before we go into this negative side of, of prophecy. It's found in a sermon called Christ Revealing His Own Word. I love the way that Brother Branham balances things out. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 11.1 that a false balance is an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. But a just weight 
is his delight. You know, we can preach the legalistic side of the Holy Ghost. A pastor can preach the Holy Ghost to such a place that the prophet said he could discourage his congregation. You could preach human perfection to such a state that the most consecrated, solidified believer would leave out of this place tonight wondering if they've got it or not. You could preach grace to such a place on the other side that people would begin to believe they can do just about anything they want to do. But myself, I don't desire to go to either side of those ditches. I want to have a perfect balance in the middle of the way. I want grace. I want to be legalistic when I need to be. Praise the Lord. I want to spank you when I have to. I want to pull you up in my arms and, and love you when I get done wearing you out. But we know that it takes the Spirit of God to help us. And this is one thing that I myself look for. Notice this in paragraph 156. The prophet said, Now the stabilizers have been put on the ship. Great fearful waves are out here before us. Now I wonder why about four months before he's fixing to be taken off the earth that he would make such a remark. And if you'll notice these sermons, especially at the tabernacle, some of his last months of his life on the earth, watch the things that he's saying as he's leading up. And he says, both of those spirits are right here in the tabernacle this morning. One of them is worshiping by science, education, all of those things of the devil. The other in worshiping by revelation of the Spirit of God. And he said, both of those spirits are right here in the tabernacle. Now some of the men that were going to cause great divisions and great falling away in the message were sitting right there when those sermons were heard and preached. It took some of them years before they ever moved into their spot to do it. But they were sitting right there and were warned then. Now watch him here. He says that the stabilizers has been put out on the ship. I, I don't understand too much about ship building and actually how that, they, that they're able to float. But I've looked at it a little bit and know how that they have the ability within their hull. It's beyond what the eye sees and how that they're able to take on water if necessary in order to help them counterbalance of the waves and the things that they, the way that they're able to stay afloat. And then they will pump it out sometimes and then they will take it on and they have ways of stabilizing. And some of these third world countries, when they don't have the ability to generate electricity, actually they will send in large boats. And it's gigantic boats and they will lease them out from Britain and from uh, different uh, nations of the world. And they will go there and their basic purpose is to sit there and give this third world island and they generate power. Now one of the things they've got to do, the generator part, they've got it down. But they've got to be able to understand how to get that boat, hold it out so many feet from the bank, be able to make it so stable that if a hurricane or if Category 4 
winds come through, that that thing will be solidified. So one of the things they've got to do is figure out the waves and the proximity of the base, how it'll come to the water, and how the average waves will come in, and they send engineers in, and they figure out how to put concrete down, and great big steel cables, and they have to make this thing where it has so much leverage, and so much moving about it, but it must be stabilized, because if not, it will rock all over the whole bay, and it can cut off everything, which breaks their contract with the island. So it's quite a science within itself. So you know whenever you're putting out the stabilizers that you're preparing for rough waters. So Brother Branham was not telling us, okay, everybody in the message, just get ready. It's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. Not if you're putting the stabilizers out, it ain't. Now, we know we're not in a picnic, but we're in a great battle. So if the stabilizers were being put out by the captain of the ship, now notice he said, we know just beyond that wave yonder, we're nearing the shore. See, we're nearing the shore. Just stay stable. Just stay in the Word. Stay with God. No matter how you feel, what anything else, stay right with the Word. Let it stay stable. When you see all these great big clouds around us and storms are coming. Notice, he didn't say they were there. Now this is 822, I believe, yeah, 822, 65 in the morning service. Now you're saying, wow, there was bad things going on in 1965. They were. But that was not why the stabilizer was put out in the boat. And he was not even dealing with just the pertinent things that were going on then, but it was prophetic. There were storms that was coming. There was difficult times that was ahead. For who? Not only the world, not only the church, but for the bride, for the message. So before the storm was going to arrive, what was God doing? God was stabilizing the boat in order to get the boat steady. Oh my, many of you that have seen those great boats as they come in down in Charleston and different parts of the world, as I've been privileged by the grace of God to be in China several times and, and flying into Hong Kong. And my, if you've never been there, it's just absolutely incredible. Whenever you fly in and you're going over the top of the city and you see all these massive, massive ships as they're there with all these containers and you're flying over them out in the ocean actually before you even get in. And it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those ships sitting there with thousands and thousands of those containers. And you know when they face many storms that they wind up losing much of that Chinese junk. I mean that prime stuff that's coming over for us to buy. And it winds up in the bottom of the sea. You know, but there's only so much that they can do when the storms come. And they have no doubt great captains of those ships and they, they know how to do the very best that they can. But let me tell you something, there's not a better captain that's running this ship. There could be no one better. And it's not a pastor, it's not a prophet, it's the Lord Jesus himself. So he knows how to stabilize the boat. Notice he said, you see the storms are coming and atomic bombs and everything else they're talking about. But our stabilizer is right straight in the word. God said it would be here, but this is what will happen. We'll crest every one of them. Now notice we're not going to skip them all. We're not going to have 
trouble way about. Well, I'll have no more troubles after this. Oh, no, you're going to have all kinds of problems. We'll go right over the top of them. Yes, indeed. They can't sink us. They can't drown us. You put us in the grave, we'll come out again. That's just all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down there. We'll crest every one of them. But now I want you to notice. Now I don't mind telling you, friends, I'm real queasy. I was out in the Gulf of Mexico fishing several years ago. I'm out in a little small boat, 20, no, 32 feet, I think it was, something like that. But it was quite small whenever you're going about six miles out. Now, when we got out there, as long as the boat was going, I was doing fine. Boy, I was just fine as I could be until we stopped, and then they stopped, and we started fishing. All of a sudden, that boat is going like this. Now, I'm the type of a guy, you know, I never could even push my kids on a swing because I go to getting in that motion of that swing and my eyes go to watching it. The next thing I know, my eyes are dancing and I'm laying on the ground. I just can't take any of it. So I started getting so sick. The brothers I was with said I turned green and we got out on a fishing rig out there and I climbed out on the top of it, barnacles all over it, big old round columns of things like that and a square thing in the middle of it. I was able to sit right there and lock my arms like this and just... Just shut my eyes and pray, come Lord Jesus. Oh my, I was so sick I thought I was going to die. I was praying for death. Oh my, you, you imagine how here we are in the storms of life in our boat and we had to crest every wave. And I'll tell you, some of you that's been out there on those ships, you know them waves can get pretty big, can they not? And that old boat out there rocking, well that's the way this old gospel ship is. And I think right now we're going through some pretty heavy ones, don't you? I think we're facing some pretty good things but this is a promise to keep before you I will crest every one of these things I will not go down my goods are not going to fall off my containers ain't going to fall off I'm not going to be AOL somewhere I'm not going to be out of here I will crest every way by the grace of God Notice he says, you put us in the grave, we'll come out again. That's all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down. We'll crest every one of them because our great chief captain is calling at the other side. We've anchored in Jesus the storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus I'll fear no wind or wave. And somebody said... Now, notice this. The Lord Jesus, oh, I love this Luke 21. Those of you that are scripture readers, you know that it actually parallels Matthew 24. But the writers here, as they would, would recall it and write it, as the Spirit of God brought it back to their attention, each one of them would use little different words, and the meaning of it is different as well. And I love the way Luke writes this, because he writes it different than Matthew. And Luke says in verse 9, but when you shall hear of wars and commotions. Now, look at this Word. Now remember that Luke was a Jew, but he was also schooled in Greek. And Luke knew about four different languages, and he was a he was a Jew that had been kind of raised up among the Gentiles, so he's very familiar uh, with the Greeks and with the Corinthians and many of them. So he was a, he was an educated man. Of course, he was a doctor. And Luke actually uh, did not walk with the Lord Jesus, but he actually come out from under the administration of Paul there, and the Spirit of God moved on Luke's heart. And if you'll remember, whenever Paul was in prison, that they kept him there in Jerusalem, and Luke come over to visit him, and Luke made visits around the local synagogues and around the churches and the people there and he began to get this historical record of what took place in the days of the Lord Jesus. So Luke uses this word for commotion and the Greek word actually means this, confusion, tumult, instability, a state of disorder, disturbance. Sounds like Portland, 
2020. Sounds like Seattle, 2020. Detroit, 2020. Chicago, 2020. It also means insurrection. Subjects rising against their rulers. Disorder and revolution. Ah, revolution. So insurrection. And we want things different. We want it to be different. Now what really makes it different is when you got the mayors and the governors out there peaceful protesting too. I'll tell you one thing. I'm sure glad all these things are peaceful because if it hadn't been peaceful, I'm not sure there'd have been a house or a building left. Are you? Since I heard them say yesterday morning that over a million dollars in damage has already been sustained in New York City on their police car on their police buildings, on their ambulances. That's just in New York alone. So I'm so glad that it's been really peaceful thus far. And I do hope that I'm gone before all hell breaks loose. Because if this is peaceful, I, I, I don't want to be here myself, do you? But now remember, each one of these components are what makes the prophetic utterance of the Lord Jesus. And this is why that the skeptics down through the ages have looked at the prophecy and they said, well, Jesus, said all of this will come to pass in that generation. So they tried to place that generation in the generation he was talking to. That was not what he said at all. Prophetically we must always remember when we are taking prophecy that God can have a prophet to say something like he did Isaiah. Whenever he prophesied in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to bring good tidings and to bind up the broken and do this and this and this and then he comes right up in the middle of the verse and stops and the last half of that verse applies at the second coming nearly 2,000 years after the fulfillment of the first half of that verse. Now people that want to be skeptics say look at that and say well how come he didn't fulfill that part because it did not apply to his first coming but to his second coming. So here the Lord Jesus now commotions have been down actually they started after the advent of our Lord after he come to the earth and after he ascended up the commotion started then but they come and then they will lay down for a while and then they will start again and when the prophetic utterance of God begins to meet at these two junctions of time it's like something is released and we look at it and we don't know exactly what it was that allowed it what have we have ever thought that our nation in the last what is it tonight in Portland 62 or 63 nights of riots and this and that and the other where would you ever thought in America they would have let such stuff go on our police officers have BBs sold at them all kinds of motel cocktails and oh, cocktails rather and all kinds of beer bottles and yet you're able to do that that's a freedom of expression is it really well it ain't been but a year ago it got you thrown in jail but not no more now what happened whether or not you understand it this prophetic portion of the word has once again kicked in motion why can't we stop it well send the police over there send the government officials over there why can't we do it when it comes time for prophecy to be fulfilled whether it's on the positive side or the negative side we cannot stop it that's right, no matter what we do, because it is God's word. Now notice in, so the commotions actually started after the Lord Jesus left. Now let me share this with you as far as historically. Josephus, the Jewish, and Tacitus, the Roman historians, describe the period which immediately followed the crucifixion as full of wars, crimes, violences, and earthquakes. Now notice then, immediately after 
the crucifixion, the prophetic utterance of the Lord Jesus, a portion of it starts being fulfilled. And yet, part of it could be fulfilled then, part of it could be fulfilled in the days of Luther. You see, prophecy can repeat itself. And this is why it takes a special understanding from the Spirit of God to know, well, if a prophecy has happened one time, that might be the end of that prophecy. It may never repeat again. Other prophecies might happen in this generation and skip two and happen in that generation, skip three generations and happen there, such as this, wars and rumors of wars and commotions. You see, this part of prophecy has been happening over and over and over again for the last 2,000 years. You understand that? Now, when we are looking then at prophecies of the message of the hour, we have to do exactly the same thing and be very careful what we are saying, or we will look at it and say, well, this didn't come to pass and that didn't come to pass. Are you sure? Or are we looking at a time frame to where that this part of the prophecy will come to pass now and this other part will happen 20 years down the road? Well, praise the Lord. Now, what's this, how the history records this? It was a time, says Tacitus, rich in disasters, horrible with battles, torn with seditions, savage even in peace itself. Now, what's this commotion part of prophecy? But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, or don't be frightened, or don't be startled, indicating that when it started to happen, it would be a strong feeling of terror or fright. Now the Lord Jesus knew that when the believers, every sequence whenever this is going to come to pass, that it would make the believers feel exactly the same way. So whenever this part of the prophecy would start being fulfilled, then the believers had this link of this portion of the scripture to tie along with it. So in the days of the Lord Jesus, after the crucifixion, when he was ascended up into heaven, no doubt the believers looked at these things that they saw. They saw the signs, the wonders, they saw the signs in the moon. They saw the supernatural signs as they hung over the tabernacle and certain signs that appeared there in Jerusalem that hung there for a year, over a year, supernaturally in the heavens. And it was so fearful and so afraid. But remember even though this side of prophecy had a negative effect, the Lord Jesus gave them a positive word. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let it terrify you. It's only the hour that you're living. Oh, don't you love him for that? Don't you see what he done? He said, now children, this is going to happen and you all are going to see it. But when you do, don't let it terrify you. Know that the word is coming to pass. I love this in Proverbs 3.24. But when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord, listen to this, the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Now this promise is not to the wicked, it's not to the adulterous generation, but to the elect. Notice in verse 10, the Lord Jesus said in Luke 21, Then said he unto them, Nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Now, we know then what causes this is because that Satan divided up the hierarchical powers of demons, and whenever those demons fell, which were angels in the beginning, and whenever they fell, they had no dominion to go to, until Satan of 
course was able to talk to Eve in the Garden of Eden and then Adam came and, and took her, her knowledge, bright light that she had received and left the word of God and then there was a dominion by which he was able to break into. He's called the prince of the power of the air. Still at this time there was not really much he could do because there was only one man and one woman on the earth. So there was actually no dominion other than just man had been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So these demons or all of this power had nothing to work on. No human beings. As human beings began to multiply on the earth and we see the division of the seed line and we see these demons now have all of these inlets and outlets by which they are able to administer death for all the perversion, the sin of the Andaluvian days. So what do they do? They move on human beings and humans of course become the vessels by which demons or the spirit of God can display their power. Is that right? Now whenever a demon, say like this, that the spirit of Switzerland will get angry at the spirit of Germany. All of a sudden the heads begin to talk in Germany and the heads in Switzerland begin to talk. And the little people out there, they're going about their business. They don't realize there's a war in the making. Well, the Proverbs tells us in Victory Day 1963, what happens is these spirits of these nations get jealous of one another. Now you know why America and Russia goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth? Because them demons in charge of Russia get mad at them demons in charge of America. That's right, it's not so much us. I mean, most of you probably never even met a Russian in your life. If a Russian will walk right in that door tonight and speak to you, well, you'd find some of the nicest people. I've met some of the Russian believers in different meetings. I've been in Europe and places like that. Just as nice as any believer you'd want to meet in the world. Love God with all of their hearts. So it's not necessary to the Russian people. It's not just necessary to the American people. But it's when the demons will get on the leaders of America. And boy, they go to talking about this. Russia's got this over there and, and, and the Russia's like, them Americans they got this. Don't you understand what's going on right now between China and America? Them demons over China is angry and upset at the demons over America. And they just fuss back and forth. Oh, we're shutting down your place in Houston. Go right ahead. We'll shut yours down in Shindal. And we'll do this and that and the other. And here y'all sitting over here just trying to make a living and make through COVID and get through this and that. Y'all want a war? Anybody y'all want to win a war tonight with Iran or Iraq or China? Anybody want to send our boys or our girls over there to fight? I don't. Do you? Of course we don't. It's not us. It's the demon powers that move on our leaders. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. We need a godly king. His name is Jesus. Amen. Now, whenever Satan began to divide them, then they went into politics. Some went into the realm of disease and sickness and all of that. And whenever this happens, then the demons begin to relegate their power in the national war and strife. Now, Jesus said, nation shall rise against nation. What causes it? Demon powers. And kingdom against kingdom. What causes it? Demon powers. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. How many believes that? In 2019, there were 39,515 earthquakes around the world. 39,515. Look at these stats that I found the other day setting on this. There have been M1, this is the way they rate them, 1.5 or greater. 
109 earthquakes in the past 24 hours around the world. 905 earthquakes in the past week. 5,957 earthquakes in the past 30 days. 66,298 earthquakes in the past 365 days. Now look at that, it's almost doubled since 2019. Already, we've got over 65,000 in 2020. The earth is shaking and trembling. But yet we know that there was earthquakes prior to the time the Lord Jesus said this. We know the last days of Pompeii. And just in the last 20 years or so, that they went in there, and Pompeii had been lost for many hundreds of years, as you know. And yet a, a Brit went in there and started digging around a little bit. And whenever they went in and started uh, digging in that, they found ash and people's bodies that were frozen and all types of different things. They found people running outside the city, turning, looking back at this mountain as it was exploding and fire and ash was shooting up in the air and they were frozen in time standing looking back and they found a mother with her baby and her arms is wrapped around in her baby they found food in their pots they found drink they found all kinds of beautiful mosaics uh, that's in the floors and all these rich people because Pompeii was a Roman city a wealthy city, a tourist city so it was a city of great wealth and remember the prophet told us about Los Angeles it will be worse in the last days of Pompeii so there have been earthquakes that have been, of course, down through time. But notice how the frequency is picking up for the big one. Now, we know that whenever it does, oh my, oh, I, I, I want to be ready. I don't know about you. I, I want to already be shaken by the power of God. I ain't waiting for the earthquake to get right. I'm already right tonight. And watch the intensity of the earthquakes and how the frequency of them are happening. But notice Jesus gives us multiple factors of it. He said, a great earthquake shall be in diverse places, which means in many places. And also famines. Now again, of course, famines was in the Old Testament. But there's going to be such notable famines in the New Testament to the coming of the Lord that it will actually be even greater than it was in the Old Testament. Listen to this. While millions are starving in Ethiopia. Their government is exporting food to Russia so it may buy weapons. Now that's really a priority, ain't it? So you've got your people starving to death. But what's more important is that you're able to buy weapons. Over one third of the world goes to bed hungry. New deserts are growing at the rate of 14.8 million acres a year. Now what is happening to the earth? She's going through these birth pains. The earth was not meant to look like the Sahara. The earth was not meant to look like the Mojave Desert in California. It was not meant to look like the desert in Arizona. As a matter of fact, I preached it to you some time ago that in the great deserts in, in Libya, northern Africa, 
the great Sahara Desert, the largest expanse of sand on the earth, that they have all of these drawings and they found fossils. And I saw just some pictures of it the other day. Well, they've got all these fossils of these sea creatures that at one time a great ocean covered it. And they've got these drawings by these native people of hippos and beavers and all types of things and aquatic plants that they found embedded in the mud. But what's going on? The earth is under this prostration and shaking and the desert is growing and growing and we're losing more and more of the fertility of the land. What's the earth crying for? The coming of the Lord Jesus. Oh my. Notice this. 26 billion tons of topsoil are lost each year. Tropical forests shrink by 27 million acres a year. The population of the world is growing at the rate of 220,000 a day. 90% of the growth is in the poorer countries. Now look at where we're headed to. Can you imagine during the time of the tribulation? I hope you, I don't want to scare you too bad, but I do want you to understand where we are. Do you understand our great nation is only one harvest away from starvation? Now look at what one coronavirus has done to the nations of the world. Look at what COVID-19 has done to the world's economy. And this is not even tribulation stuff yet. This is just pre-tribulation stuff. What's this? Oh my. Of the increase of 79 million a year, 55 million are in the poor countries. Half the people who've ever lived since Adam are alive. Half of the people that ever lived since Adam, half of the people that ever lived since Adam are alive tonight. And Jesus said it was one of the signs in the last days of the population explosion. Well, praise the Lord, saints. When America was discovered, there was an average of six to 10 foot of topsoil. Now we are down to an average of three inches. Even America is one harvest away from famine. Approximately 793 million people are starving around the world, according to the UN. That makes up about 11% of the population. Oh, Brother Donnie, should we start canning tomatoes and then start picking beans? And, and should we start getting us a storage cellar somewhere? No, my advice would be eat on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Feed on that word and get ready to get a body change. Oh my, why in the world would I want to store up green beans so the Pope can eat them in the tribulation period? My, he can have our church, he can have my house, he can have a key to my car, whatever I want when I'm gone, let him fight over it, I don't care. Praise the Lord. Notice this, of the 793 million, 780 million, 98% inhabit developing countries, 10 million people die every year of chronic hunger and hunger-related diseases. And science has got the answer, don't they, to answer all of our problems? Really? Well, how come we've got all this death? How come we've got all these people that are not dying of strange, far-out diseases that have come from Jupiter and landed here in some space, alien air 
aircraft or some type of spaceship, but it's something that could be so taken care of. But we spend millions and millions of dollars of flying people out yonder so they can find what when they get there? Nothing. And we've got all of these people, 10 million people dying every year. Only 8% of the victims are hunger or caused by high-profile earthquakes, floods, droughts, and wars. And Jesus said there'll be wars, and then there'll be rumors of wars. There'll be wars, and then there'll be rumors of wars. Well, China's got so many boats showing up in on the Galapagos Islands, and, and Russia's got so many MiG jets that flew right up there in Alaska, and they're, they're pushing America. And you know what? Our fighters had to escort them all. Rumors here, rumors there. Jesus said, well, don't, don't get all tore up about it. No, that's part of the end time. And there will be famines, and there will be earthquakes, and then there will be pestilence. Pestilence. According to the Strong's Concordance of the Bible, the word pestilence comes from the Greek word loimos. It means a plague. Literally, the disease, or figuratively, a pest. Pestilence. Pestilence. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilence, and fearful Sights, which is phobotron, that which strikes terror. Now, notice this word. This is where we get our word phobias. Well, we've got a bunch of them in this day. Ah, my, we've got all kinds of phobias, don't we? Now, notice what Jesus said. There will be fearful Sights. What's Josephus in his relation of the signs and the prodigies which preceded the taking of Jerusalem? He mentions that a star hung over the city like a sword and an appearance like a comet continued for a whole year. Now those of you that have been watching this comet in the last several weeks, and Brother Doug Baker from Tucson, Arizona, has been going out in the desert, the real beautiful clear skies out there in Arizona at night, and been sharing some different pictures with us ministers. And this is the first time that this comet has been seen since Adam and Eve. The last ones to see it on the earth were Adam and Eve. So you think of it, the heavens are repeating a story when Adam and Eve was on the earth. Now there's a second Adam and his second Eve are seeing the same signs in the heaven. So watch this. There was a great star that hung like a comet and it continued there for a whole year. Now you know how that Israel was by the stars. They were so much more in tune with the signs of the stars than we were. And this is what the Magi's in India actually saw about the Lord Jesus when they started watching these three signs of Ham, Sham, and Jesus. People line up of these three stars, and when they come together, the three lined up perfectly and made one star. And they said, we have seen this star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Well, may I turn that around and say that we have seen his star in the west, and we are now worshiping him as well. So the sign is lined up. It was Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but we found out it wasn't three gods. It was three attributes of the same God, and they lined up into one great personality, the resurrection and the life. 
But whenever this comet hang over that, you imagine Brother Jim every night as they would get out and their, their telescopes and whatever more that they have, being very primitive no doubt to what they had today. But it was there every night for a year. And something that would have been so strange. But Jesus said there will be sights in the heavens. Know that the people were assembled to celebrate the feast of unleavened bread. At the ninth hour of the night, there shone so great a light about the altar and the temple that it seemed to be bright day and this continued for half an hour. The eastern gate of the temple, which was of solid brass and was scarcely to be shut by 20 men, was seen at the sixth hour of the night to open on its own accord, though fastened by strong bars and bolts and could hardly be shut again. That before the setting of the sun were seen all over the country, chariots and armors, armies fighting in the cloud. Not only did Josephus see this, but the Roman Tacitus confirms every one of these particulars in his history as well. So the testimonies of Josephus and Tacitus, remember he was a Jew and the other one was a Roman, that they serve in some measure to show us that the breaking of what the Lord Jesus said was already starting to come to pass. Now, it was no doubt a great heavenly visitation. And we know that it happened, of course, in the days of Sodom, that it was an investigating judgment. Now, I agree with you. I understand very little about this and the significance of it, but I have a little bit of insight knowing what the prophet has told us and what the scripture said. So we know that God, when great things are going to happen, when it would come to a junction of time, that God himself would come down and make an appearance on the earth. And he was going to destroy Sodom. And he come down to visit his, his friend Abraham and tell him, I've come down to see us the cry as bad as I've heard that it is. I've come to hear for myself and see for myself. And he said, I will not do anything until I tell my friend. And his friend interceded, of course, for Lot, his nephew. And the Spirit of God, of course, gave him grace and mercy. So it's at these junctions of time when all hell is breaking loose that a great supernatural phenomena is made manifest. It happens in the heavens, it happens in the skies, and then it is mirrored on the earth as well. Now whenever then the Lord God came down, there was great things that happened. God stepped into a body. Two angels stepped into a body. The appearing of Melchizedek and so on went on. We know of course at the junction of time and law met grace. God again appeared. This time in the form of a man. Raised that body up. Glorified it as his own right hand. At the end of the last age when time is going to run out. Then what did God do? God wants again made a manifestation before the seals were to open up and God appeared in great heavenly signs and wonders hallelujah and we're feasting today not on the words of a Kentucky preacher by the name of William Branham but we're feasting on the unfailing body words of the one who appeared to us at the opening of the seven seals Christ Jesus the son of man and if all hell, notice now it backed off for a bit, then it turned loose again. And no doubt, there will be an element by which once we pass this wave and we crest this wave of where we are right now, that things will back off again. It's always been that way. 
And it's when things get better. It's when the cold and the indifferent and those that don't have the Holy Ghost, that's when they read the signs and then they begin to back off and they lose their fervency and they lose their prayer life. And that's whenever he comes. It's whenever they're not watching and waiting for him. But the bride keeps going steady straight ahead. Watch this, verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth's distress of nations. The word translated distress denotes anxiety of mind, such as anxiety in men when they don't know what to do and they don't know which way to go. It also means calamities that would be so overwhelming that they would not know how to escape. So it is deep anxiety because of evils that are impending. Oh my goodness. Upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves will be roaring. So the perplexity is they don't know what to do. They don't know which way to go. They don't know what the answer is. Everything that they've trusted in what they found their answers for so many years are falling apart. Think of it. If you're looking to politics tonight to be able to solve your problems, friend, you're in a bad mess. If you're looking for the American dollar to do it, think how much debt we're in and how much more debt we're fixing to go into. We'll never be able to buy our way out. We're digging ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper. Right? Politics is more divided. Well, my goodness, our nation is more divided than it's been in decades. Even Christians fighting among themselves over this party and that party. Well, I'm going to tell you both of them's of the devil. And both of them are run by the devil. Well, well, Brother Donnie, which one are you? I'm an independent. That means I'm independent of politics. I ain't never voted in my life, and I figure I'm too old now to start. The prophet said, I voted for Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, God, the devil voted against me, and Jesus voted for me, and it depends on which way I cast my vote. Well, I'm going to cast my vote on him. Notice this. He also says the sea and the waves roaring. Now, you know, again, this is prophetic language, and the Lord Jesus is not talking about there's going to be big, big tidal waves and another big tidal wave and another big tidal wave. But actually, he's using a metaphor, which is the water we know represents people. It can also represent calamities and storms. So he said, when these distresses start coming, it'll be like one wave after another, and you get over that wave, and here'll come another wave, and then you'll kind of get calmed down and settle down. And whenever you do, here will come another wave. Anybody awake tonight? Have y'all been knocked down by one wave and then another and then you get up and whoo, boy, I'm glad that's all over. And you catch your breath and about the time you get ready, you get a mouthful of salt water and there you go, you're right back down again. And you get up and what is it? It's like a storm on the ocean waves that it will come one wave after another. Now it's not a quiet, calm, peaceful day and you're standing down on the Caribbean and you're drinking a glass of ice cold tea. Uh, it's storm time, brother. I mean, we're talking about a cat five. It's his major. It's barreling right down on us. We are at the end time. I know many of you have heard this for years and years. Surely a blind man can say we are closer than we've ever been before. Notice this, so the calamities will be so on the world and they will happen with such rapidity that they will come over and over and over again. Notice Jesus says in Luke 21, 26, men's hearts failing them for fear and looking for those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So the political and the social crisis will be so severe 
that men will not know what will happen. And not only that, but the judgment of God is hanging right over them. Listen to this. June the 4th, the numbers of Americans suffering from mental health disorders like anxiety and depression have more than tripled during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to a new survey from Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Now friends, don't tell me, oh, but Brother Donnie, we're Christians. I don't care how much Christian you are, you're still a human being. You're affected by these things. We're affected by the trauma and the fear that's around us. And another thing, you don't know who to even believe. One doctor says they're this and another doctor says they're that. One report from the White House says this one day and two months ago they said something totally different. The CDC said one thing three months ago and now they're saying something totally different. You know what it tells me? They don't know a whole lot more than I do. I might know a whole lot more than they do when it comes to stuff like this. Notice this. The COVID-19 pandemic and related life changes and stressors, social distancing, fear of contacting the disease, economic uncertainty, including high unemployment, have negatively affected mental health. Oh my goodness. So you know what a lot of folks have done since COVID? Started drinking more. Started doping more. Domestic violence in some areas is over 800% higher than it was pre-COVID. Divorce lawyers are at their peak right now in America. Because men and women are shut up in the same house. Husbands and wives and some of these men can't see their girlfriends at work. And some of these wives can't see their boyfriends, so they got to stay with their husband. Well, I imagine that's been hell on earth for some of these adulterers, don't you? Ah, ah, woo, glory to God. But you see, if you're in love with your wife and in love with your husband, it ain't been hell on earth for you. But if you got a lover on the side, I imagine you've been in a hot, hot, hot tub of water, ain't you? I imagine you have been in one more fix. You're having to eat breakfast and lunch and dinner and supper and snack and everything else with a woman you don't even love and with a man you don't even love. I think it's funny myself. <laughs> you got all slammed in with them bunch of young ones. Well, praise God. Sales of alcoholic beverages in the United States have increased 55% compared to this time last year. Our lives are stressful and alcohol consumption can be a common way to self-medicate those stresses. Wow. That's really going to help you, isn't it? I ain't talking about the Gatorade now. So the same devil that causes the COVID, causes stress, causes anxiety, causes worry, and people can't handle it. I just can't take it. I can't take it. I got to go get a drink. That is about one of the stupidest things I ever heard in my life. And what do you think that's going to do for you? You yellow belly coward. Amen. 
I found this amazing when I looked at this today. Women especially are more likely to use alcohol to cope with depression and anxiety. They've even brought a new syndrome because of COVID. It's called COVID stress syndrome. CSS. Well, I'm hoping during COVID that I've made a new stress syndrome down in hell called DSS. Donnie stress syndrome. Now, not that Donnie's stressed, but Donnie's stressing out devils. Is that the kind of Christian we want to be? Well, I'm barely hanging on in COVID. Oh, God, oh, God, please help me. Look, friend, my Holy Ghost is just as strong pre-COVID, post-COVID, before COVID, after COVID, in COVID. That's right. That's the way God wants us to be. Has it been difficult? Sure. It's been difficult for all of us, and we're not out of it yet. But COVID came, and COVID will go. But the bride is not going to move at all. The Word of God has got put out the stabilizers in our boat. We're not going to fall. We're not going to close up. We're not going to shut up. We're going to pray. We're going to praise. We're going to read our Bible. Our families are going to be stronger. Our church is going to be stronger. We're going to come out on the other side. Not with CSS. I ain't going to have COVID stress syndrome. I ain't going to have more anxiety and more worry. I want to have so much Holy Ghost in my body that every cell becomes power packed. Listen to this, anxiety about coronavirus can increase your risk of getting the infection. That's that's how to come up with this, the devil. Brother Donnie, you're wearing a mask, you're washing your hands, I am, but I ain't scared of it. I ain't living under fear, friends. I don't know what God gave you, but God gave me common sense. Praise the Lord. I wash my food. I mean, I may be kin to a coon. You know but what? I wash my food. I like to live in a clean house. I like to put on clean clothes. That's right. God give me a little bit of common sense. But I am not going to live. Oh, God. Oh, God. Who's got it now? Oh, God. Who's got it now? Well, praise God. I'm going to do everything I know to do. If it slips in on me, then I'm going to come through it as a son of God. Come on, saints. Is that right? I'm doing everything I know to do. But I am not living under this fear. Oh, God. Oh, God. Is it getting closer is it getting closer let it come as close as whatever God will allow to I'm going to do my best and if I get it I'm going to be quarantined or do whatever I do I'll come out of that door the next time you see me wild on a Timbuktu Indian because that means I've been alone with God I've studied I've got inspiration come on say it ain't time to take a back seat to the devil it ain't time to pull in our little shell and say oh no oh no oh no no it's time to stand up and say devil you better not trespass against us your pay listen to this now the very devil was the one who brought all this that anxiety about coronavirus can increase the risk of you getting the infection chronic anxiety suppresses the immune system and increases our risk for infection (laughs) 
The psychological impact of COVID-19 pandemic is causing incredible distress. Cleveland Clinic researchers have found a significant increase in patients experiencing stress. Cardiomyopathy, also known as broken heart syndrome. During the COVID-19 pandemic, stress cardiomyopathy occurs in response to physical or emotional distress and causes dysfunction or failure in the heart muscle. So that stinking devil, if he don't try to get you one way, he'll try to get you with another. I say we're more than conquerors. Patients typically experience symptoms similar to a heart attack, such as chest pain, shortness of breath, but usually don't have acutely blocked coronary arteries. The left ventricle of the heart, however, may show enlargement. Listen to this. Other symptoms include regular heartbeat, fainting, low blood pressure, cardiogenic shock, inability of the heart to pump enough blood to meet the body's demands. Just from an anxiety and a stress? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought about multiple levels of stress in people's lives across the country and the world. People are not only worried about themselves or their families becoming ill. They're dealing with economic, emotional issues, societal problems, and potential loneliness and isolation. What are we saying, friends? Pre-tribulation troubles. Let me give you good news before we close. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Be not terrified. Be not terrified. Hallelujah. You love him. Let's stand. Praise be to God. Notice this in Luke 21, verse 33. Skip down to Brother Daniel a little bit. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged, that is, made heavy, with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. So just the everyday things of life, you know, just working and things around the house and things with your job and Things with your kids. Not sin. Now notice he didn't say the sins of life, but just the everyday cares of life. I imagine we've had a lot of priorities changed in our life since COVID, haven't we? My things that we thought that were so important that we couldn't live without. And it's amazing that we have lived without them. Now we don't like it. We don't like it none. But we have. I imagine we've arranged some things and rearranged and disarranged. And we're just thinking, wow, what really matters here? What is really important? Our family, our children, our parents, our friends. Being able to love God, love one another, go to church, be associated together in the body of Christ. Won't it be an awesome time when all of us can gather back together 
Won't it be something when we can take them masks and throw them things as far as we can throw them? I hate them things. Don't you? I hate social distancing. I don't like it none. I'm used to hugging brothers' necks and shaking their hands and all that sort of thing. It's hard not to do it. Oh, but I'll tell you one thing. I ain't never appreciated handshakes like I appreciate them now. Isn't it amazing how this thing has rearranged some things? I can see positive things about it myself. May God help us. You want to be ready, friends. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, as we sit here tonight for these few moments, we believe we too are at a junction. There's been many of them in time since time began. Lord God, for many of those junctions of time, it's been great phenomenal things that happened, but also great trauma, great stress. It was a junction of time when your people began to cry and pray for a deliverer, and a deliverer was born to Amram and Josephat. It was at the junction of time in this man's life that it met you in a burning bush. Lord, how many could we talk about in those junctions? Lord Jesus, here we are now in our junction. And the closing up of the Gentile dispensation is at hand. You told us these things so we wouldn't be terrified. Then you tell us in verse 36, Pray ye therefore always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Pray ye therefore always that you may be accounted worthy. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's my prayer tonight. Father, if it's this bad now, and the mercy seat, we believe, is still open, and the blood is still here because the bride's here, once the blood covenant is closed for the Gentiles, the bride cannot remain another hour on the earth. Once the last one comes in, they come to their position. Mercy will be finished to the Gentiles. The bride can't live a week. She can't live a month. She's only she's in her humanity. She needs grace, mercy, sprinkling of the blood on the altar. Amen. Our rapture is synchronized with the removing of the blood from the mercy seat. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we pray you'll call that last one in if they're not in tonight, Father. Oh, grant it, Lord, that we can be ready, Father God. Oh, I hear the prophet say it down in Tampa, I believe it was, in 1964. We wonder why there's no revival. But let's say it like this. There's a little boy, a little girl in here that was born over in Seattle, Washington. That book holds their name. The church would just kind of go along, play along, slug along, have meetings and so forth until that child is old enough to receive it. And when it does, they're sealed in that book. The book will be closed and it'll be gone away. We believe that's how much one soul means to you 
who's on that Lamb's book of life. There might be thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds. We don't know how many there be in that bride. But if there's one member yet that's not in and filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll hold that bride right on the earth like you held that jet plane. Brother Darrell was preaching to us about us the other night. You'll hold the bride on the earth in Africa and the Congo in Asia and Europe. You'll hold her right there in the earth so that last one gets in. I'm glad you'd do that, Lord, because that last one could have been me. It could have been somebody standing here in this building tonight, Father. Wherever they are, would you bring them in, Lord Jesus? We've said it, Lord, by tradition for years. But surely I think we're saying it with our heart more than we've ever said it before. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We look to you tonight, Father. Oh, Lord God, keep us by your grace. Lord, we don't want a salvation that's worked up by fear. We don't want a revival, Father, that would be worked up by music. Or worked up, oh, I know that there's a, a great increase of, among the evangelicals and on websites and so on that have made so-called conversions while this COVID thing has been going on. Depending on which, which study that you look at, which pew study. Lord, but a great percentage of people have supposedly renewed their walk with God. People have bought Bibles that haven't read them for years. People that never even got saved, as we'd say, had got saved now and started going to churches. I read here even just a month or so ago that some of our churches in Johnson City aren't sure that they're going to even open back up again because they're having greater response online than they ever had attending their churches. So they're thinking about just going that way. But Lord, how long would it last? When COVID passes and peace comes back up, the economy starts to rebuild. They'll go back to their old ways again. But Lord God, we don't want a revival like that. Oh Lord Jesus, we want to love you in the good times. We want to love you in the bad. We want to love you when we got bank and the money. We want to love you when we don't know how we're going to pay our next bill. We want to love you the same because it's a love that's not based upon conditions. It's based upon eternity. We worship you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I, I've had to talk about a lot of difficult things tonight. A lot of sad things. But Lord Jesus, the gospel is good news. Amen. And we're here tonight to say we love you. We worship you. We're here to bless your name. Praise God. We're here to testify that you're God of all of our troubles. Hallelujah. You're going to see us through these times, Father. We worship you tonight, Lord, with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. I don't know how many miracles that I've heard of in the last three, four months that's been transpiring around the world, Lord. Praise God. Lord, just getting a text this week from some saints standing right here tonight, going to a doctor visit and getting some very bad reports. But now the doctors don't know what to say about it. They don't even have an explanation. But the report has changed. Hallelujah. Lord, I confess it before it happens. That's what we're believing for Erica, Lord God. I testify it already, hallelujah, by the grace of God. Amen. You're our healer, Lord God. She's already healed by your stripes. 
Not only her, Lord, but many others here in our assembly were calling their name daily, O oh God, and pronouncing their will. Others in different states and different parts of the world. You're our healer, Lord God. There ain't no question. All hell is broke loose. For Father, we're standing here with our buckets upright, Lord God. We're waiting for all heaven to pour loose right down upon the saints of God. We're at that junction of time, Lord Jesus. We need you like never before. We worship you, Lord God. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Oh, Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Can you just tell him that, saints? I need you, Lord. No doubt, friends, some of you have felt anxiety and fear and just uncertainty with the times we're in. But let me just tell you, the Lord Jesus is the same one who stepped on the bow of the ship that night and spoke peace to those winds. He can speak peace to you tonight. He understands this time. He understands we'd be here. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe the waves are tossed about in your mind and in your home and financially. Maybe you've lost your job during this time. But the Lord Jesus is mindful of you, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes he speaks to the wind. Sometimes he speaks to you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Can we just worship him a little bit together? Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Hallelujah. Oh, I lift my hands. at your throne I need you Lord I need you Lord right now oh, I need you I need you, Lord, I 
so glad we've been made more than conquerors tonight. Amen. Amen. I just want to be ready. Let's sing that chorus. Let's sing that tonight. Amen. Before we dismiss, I just want to be ready. I think I we need to change the words. I'm going to be ready tonight. Amen. Let's sing that before we go tonight. Oh, I want to be ready. Yeah.